If you're like many parents, you may have approached child rearing as a series of moral victories and or mechanical constructs that you hope will lead you to producing a physically, emotionally, and spiritually healthy child. A future adult who can make you feel proud and successful as a parent. But do we have the power in and of ourselves to raise our kids into successful adults, especially successful God-fearing adults? And if we've shaped their behaviors, does that mean we've necessarily shaped their hearts? It's a challenge giving God the necessary room in our lives to shape us into His ambassadors of grace to our sometimes foolish offspring. And we'll be talking about that today on License to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, helping teens in crisis. As always, our host on License to Parent is the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosel. And Trace, it is uh, way too easy to think that if we jump through all the right hoops, cross all the parenting T's and dot all the parenting I's, that we're going to end up uh, raising the next Billy Graham or Mother Teresa or, you know, whomever for yeah. our sons or daughters. But uh, I've noticed uh, in raising my five kids, it doesn't always quite work out that way, does it? <laughs> nope. Rich, if I said it once, we've said it a thousand times here, right right here on the broadcast. Uh, the only perfect parent that ever existed was God the Father. And, yep. and look what his first two kids did, right? <laughs> in fact, they even went downhill from there. But but that doesn't mean uh, we can disregard the teachings of Scripture when it comes to raising our kids. And you know, as godly parents, our first priority is still to heed God's word, yeah. God's will, and God's way. Uh, if we do that, uh, not only will we keep uh, from making idols out of our own kids, uh, or ourselves for that matter, uh, we'll be walking in obedience to God. And, and that's always a good thing, yeah, even though it can sometimes look uh, and feel incredibly different from you know what we may have actually envisioned for ourselves as being good parents. Yeah. And, and just like the, uh, the approach we take with the kids here at Shepherd's Hill Academy, all, all we can do is obey God by creating an authoritative in, uh, community environment uh, where we can cultivate the soil of their hearts so that the seed of God's spirit and grace uh, can take root and, and bear fruit. Mm. Uh, God will give the increase as we partner with him uh, in in the things that, that he's called us to do as parents so that he can do the things that only he can do as God. Right. Well, uh, we've invited a gentleman on the program today who has written and taught on this quite a bit. He is both a pastor and an author. He's written 17 books on Christian living. He's produced 14 teaching series and now spends a bit of time traveling around the world speaking at events about this same topic. His name is Paul David Tripp, and he says his driving passion is to help people understand how the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks with practical hope into all the things that people experience in this broken world. Uh, Paul was born in Toledo, Ohio. He attended Columbia Bible College, now Columbia International University, uh, majored in Bible and Christian education. He then went on to receive his advanced degrees from the Reformed Episcopal Seminary and Westminster Theological Seminary. He was a faculty member at the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, that's CCEF, uh, for many years. Also a lecturer in biblical counseling at Westminster Theological Seminary, a visiting professor at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I guess in his spare time, a pastor <laughs> at 10th Presbyterian Church. That's quite a full plate. Uh, Paul launched Paul Tripp Ministries back in 2006 to help connect the transforming power of Christ to everyday life. 
He also serves as the executive director of the Center for Pastoral Life and Care. And Paul and his wife, Luella, currently live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and they have got four grown children. Paul, welcome to Licensed Parent. It's great to be with you. Well, Paul, I, I'm probably not the first person to tell you that, uh, uh, that much of what you write about in your book feels counterintuitive to we mere humans sometimes. Is raising kids, whether you're a believer or not, uh, more of a spiritual endeavor than we think? And if so, how so? I think it is. In fact, it's the reason I wrote this book. I had no desire, actually, or plan to write a parenting book. But as I was on weekends doing parenting materials, and I listened to parents who were frustrated, discouraged, overwhelmed, and I listened to well-meaning, loving parents, what they were thinking and what they were doing, I thought, we just haven't gotten this right. What I mean by that is the things that we say we believe, that we celebrate on Sunday morning, seem to be separate from the way we think about parenting. No, you're right. And so what that means for a parent is two things. They load all of the burden of the welfare of their children on their shoulders every morning. Uh, When you do that, you're going to be overburdened and frustrated and discouraged. And the second thing they do is they think that it's their job to change their children. And when you think it's your job to do that, you end up doing things and saying things that you shouldn't do and you shouldn't say. Uh, And so I wanted to take the familiar things that we all believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and help parents to understand how they set just a completely different agenda for parenting. Mm Uh, Paul, you, you talk about uh, parenting in your book uh, being a lifelong connective process rather than a series of unrelated corrective encounters. Uh, can you develop that for us? Yeah, it's the same way that God the Father works in our life. By His grace and the personal work of Jesus, He makes relationship with us, forgives us of our sin, welcomes us into His family. But that's not the end of His work. That's the beginning of a lifelong process of personal transformation. Mm-hmm. And so I have to have that long-term view of parenting my children. Here's what happens if you look at parenting as an event and not a process. You try to create in a single event what's only going to happen by process. Mm-hmm. That heightens your concern. It heightens your emotion. It cranks up the tension of that moment. Rather than God in His grace has revealed another need in my child because he loves my child, and he's given me another opportunity to have another conversation that gives the Spirit of God another opportunity to work in the heart of that child. I know this is just one step in the process. I'm thankful for that opportunity, but I know I'm going to get more opportunities today and more opportunities tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's the process of parenting. Sure. Parenting is a God-initiated, unending conversation with your children. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and in light of that, this lifelong connective process, uh, what are we then to make of, of other parenting professionals, uh, quote-unquote, who, who claim that you can have a new kid by the end of the week? If the Lord of Lord and King of Kings knows that it takes an, a lifelong process to transform Paul Tripp into the image of Jesus Christ, why would I think I could transform my child in a week? Yeah, I, 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 I certainly understand the point. <laughs> I certainly understand the point. 
but the argument for the other side may be that, hey, I was doing all these things wrong. Presto, I'm going to do all these things right and then, you know, get a new kid. I, I've been doing this well, long well, enough to know a, that doesn't work either. There's another thing, though, that's at the bottom of that that the Bible very clearly speaks to. And here it is. We can't buy into any system that asks us to ask the law to do what only God's grace can accomplish. Mm-hmm. Here's what this means. If all my children needed was a neat set of rules with an accompanying set of enforcements, Jesus would have never had to come. That's true. Mm-hmm. My children need rules and they need authority. God's law is very powerful in exposing sin. God's law is a wonderful guide for everyday living. Praise God for his law. But it has no power to rescue me and transform my heart. Mm. It's not my job to get what I want out of my children and produce what I want in my children. I'm representing what God wants from those children and what God is seeking to produce in the children. So mm-hmm. that's my calling. Right. And that, and that presupposes a relationship with God yourself. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely does. What is the only thing that an ambassador does is represent. These children don't belong to me. They belong to the Lord. Uh, and so I want to be part of what God wants to produce and the way that God wants to produce it. But there's something else. I must accept my inability. And that means that I have no independent ability whatsoever to change the heart of my child. None. None. Hmm. I'm only ever an instrument in the hands of the one who has that ability. If you assign yourself that ability, well, first, you're naming yourself the fourth member of the Trinity, (laughs) and there's only three members, and the seats are gloriously occupied. But you will then do things you shouldn't do. You will crank up the volume. You will use the wrong vocabulary. You will heighten the threat. You're just looking for tools that will do something to change your child. And what you actually do is you begin to do things that rather than propel God's work, you're in the way of what God wants to do with your child. And we're talking about emulating God before our kids and being the ambassador and all. Uh, but in light of the fact that, that we are to emulate God's attributes to our kids, is there ever a time for a parent to exercise a, quote, temple cleansing moment with their kids? Uh, be angry and sin not? I mean, I'm, t- I'm not saying this needs to be a routine. It wasn't a routine with Jesus, but it did happen, and he did not sin. Uh, the way that I think about that is go ahead. every time I exercise authority, it must be an accurate picture of the authority of God. Mm-hmm. I find that very helpful. Now, There are moments in Scripture where God lays down stern warning. But think about warning. A warning is itself an act of love. And and grace, really. Exactly. Because if all God wanted to do is judge, he would warn. Right. He would just judge. Mm -hmm. So there, there are moments by our warning, by our sternness, we are letting this child know that what they've done is morally wrong, and they must not continue to do that. Here's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that many parents, when they hear me say that grace must shape their parenting, they think that means permissive parenting. License, yeah. 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 Grace never calls wrong right. Because if wrong were right, there would be no need for grace. 
The reason God sent his son is because wrong leads to death. It's a horrible thing. Sin is a horrible thing. Now, what that means is grace isn't permissive. Grace doesn't close its eyes to wrong. Grace is a way of dealing with wrong. Right. Rather than nasty words, rather than unbridled parental anger, where in a burst of anger you just slap your child across the face, mm-hmm. rather than name-calling and condemnation, I move toward my child and I ask the question, what does God seek to do in this moment in the heart and life of my child, and how can I be part of it? Amen. So uh, can I assume that you see discipline as an act of grace in and of itself for a child? Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, Hebrews says, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Mm-hmm. It's about go. the way that you do that is so incredibly important. It's never an accident. It's never an interruption. It's never a hassle. It's always grace. God loves that child. He's put him in a family of faith. And he will reveal the need of that child to you so you can be a tool of his grace, his rescue, and his restoration. Very good. Uh, I like what you say in your book. You say one thing that gets in the way of being uh, good parents is when we turn God-given moments of ministry into reasons to be angry. Uh, Can you give us some common examples of how we as parents might do this? Most of the important moments of parenting are not on our schedule, but they're on God's. And so you have to live with that kind of openness and flexibility. But, but let's just say that it's 1030 at night, and the children I put to bed at 9 o'clock are now fighting in their bedroom. And I stomp down the hallway, feet heavy on the floorboards. I'm probably not saying thank you, God, for this wonderful opportunity to be a tool <laughs> in your hands or like my children, even at this late hour. I'm probably not saying that. I'm probably saying they're dead. <laughs> they're dead. And I burst the room and I say, do you know what my day's been like? Do you know what I do for you? I do what I do and this is the things I get. I don't need a mansion or a Rolls Royce. Just children are from Earth. Now, think about what's going on there. It's not an accident that I'm hearing what I'm hearing. And so what I've done, I'm personalizing something that's not personal. and making it all about me. Actually, not about my children and God. It's unlikely in that scenario that at 7.30, those two boys have gotten together and said, let's fake sleep tonight, and at 10.30, let's act like we're fighting. That will drive mom crazy. That's not what's going on. Oh, I, I think I have a few of those right here at Shepherd's Hill Academy. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. Generally speaking, I know what you're saying, yeah. But in the general course of things, what I'm seeing is self-oriented little sinners who don't love authority, who are lost. And so as I'm walking down the hallway, I don't first pray for my children. I pray for me. That by the time I enter that room, I would have the vision of being part of what God wants to do mm-hmm. in that moment of disobedience in the life of my children. That's good. We're talking today on Licensed to Parent with Paul David Tripp about his book, Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. 
Uh, you'll find his book and actually all of his books online at paultrip.com. That's Paul T R I P P. Dot com. This is Licensed to Parent, where we talk parenting every week. And uh, when we come back, I want us to perhaps delve into how we establish the authority in our kids' lives as the Grace Ambassador, especially if we haven't been practicing this for the past, oh, I don't know, 13 to 15 years. Uh, anyway, this is Licensed to Parent. More conversation with our guest, Paul Tripp, when we return. The world of digital technology is always changing, and it's changing you if you're comfortable with technology or not. Your kids may take technology almost completely for granted and rarely notice its effects. On the other hand, you may adapt to technology more slowly, but are affected by the digital invasion just as much as your kids. In the book, The Digital Invasion, How Technology is Shaping You and Your Relationships, authors Dr. Archibald Hart and Sylvia Hart-Fried uncover the ways digital technology is changing us from within, physically, mentally, and especially spiritually, and offers therapeutic and biblical strategies to become good stewards of our digital lives. The Digital Invasion also includes 10 pages featuring Trace Embry of Shepherds Hill Academy. Find The Digital Invasion in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherds Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed to parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, and you'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And uh, let me invite you while you're there to click on the link to Shepherd's Hill Academy. There you can find out everything about our parent organization, Shepherd's Hill, a residential program for teens in crisis. And uh, also, you'll find out how you can... Uh, Help become one of our ministry partners. We so need your help to help other families who may not be able to afford residential care get the help that they need. Again, you can go to licensedtoparent.org and click on the link to Shepherd's Hill Academy. And our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Paul David Tripp. We're talking about his book, Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. And, uh, Paul, right before the break, I, I mentioned the family who perhaps did not start off on this parenting journey doing things the right way. We developed uh, bad habits. We perhaps uh, have have taken on parenting without an eye toward grace, as you are, are uh, talking about on our program today. 
For the parent that realizes he's maybe 15 years late um, establishing authority in the family and, and especially becoming God's grace ambassador to his kids, how does that parent get it back? Three things I want to say here. First, you don't ask for authority, you exercise it. Authority isn't a choice. It's God's plan. We live in a world of authority. God establishes authority, and he makes his invisible authority visible by giving authority to people, uh, whether it's government or its parents or it's the church. So as a parent, you have to understand that you have authority. The question is whether you've exercised it or not. Mm. So the second thing is, when you want to reestablish that with your children, don't talk about them and their rebellion first. Talk about yourself. Confess. For years, I haven't done this thing in the way that God intended, and I need your forgiveness for that. Mm. I failed to be the parent that you wanted me to be, and I want to form a new relationship with you. I can't stress how important that is. I see that happen regularly here at Shepherd's Hill, and that is a pivotal moment in rekindling that relationship. I mean, it's big. I mean, what child would want a parent, that kind of parent, exactly, who humbly makes confession? Here's the third thing. I determine that I want to present authority as a wise thing, a loving thing, a protective thing, a rescuing thing, a guiding thing. And here's why. I want to present authority as beautiful. Because children don't tend to think authority as beautiful. Right, especially today. And so once I accepted my role, I asked for forgiveness and called the child to participate with me in a change of relationship, then I determined to exercise authority in such a way that makes authority attractive. Mm -hmm. So at some point, it clicks in the heart of the child because of God working in a child's heart that authority in my life isn't a bad thing. Authority is a good thing. Yeah, and you see coaches and military uh, leaders uh, whose, whose players and soldiers will go to hell and back for these guys. Uh, well, I, I, I love these. I live in Philadelphia, and Philadelphia uh, is a big basketball town, and often there are street kids that end up getting a basketball scholarship. I love when they're 29 and 30 years old, looking back and saying, that coach was not just my coach, he changed my life. He loved me, yep. he confronted me, he guided me. And I'm the man I am because of that exercise of that man's That's authority. Exactly, what a beautiful thing. Exactly right. And I found that kids will submit to their parents' authority more readily uh, when they know that their parents are submitting to an authority greater than themselves. Uh, but- absolutely. absolutely. When you are able to help a child to understand that everyone who is doing well in life is doing well because they've surrendered to the authority in their lives. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, I have to surrender to God's authority. That just changes the relationship. Yeah, and we can go into what is legitimate authority and what is illegitimate authority too because we don't want our kids submitting to gangs and you know drug dealers and things like that so that that's a whole other topic but i want to ask you this uh, f- from the perspective of a father uh more women listen to these programs than, than men but but uh, men i want you to hear this from the perspective of a father paul what what does grace look like when junior slaps his mom in the face and calls her a blankety blank b because she took his cell phone what does grace look like in that in that particular scenario well well obviously that's 
horrible, and I'm going to make sure that child knows that is not acceptable and must never be done again. But here's what I'm confronted with. I'm not just dealing with behavior at that point. I'm dealing with the question, what is going on in the heart of my son that he would be okay with violence against his mother? Yeah, but in the heat of the moment, Paul, you've got your wife's honor and physical protection at hand. Well, and and I'm, 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 what I want to get at is what, what is the father's role in this particular instance? Because these things happen quite often. That, that topic would take me 45 minutes to unpack. Yeah. But let me say this. I'm going to protect my wife. I'm going to set up a situation immediately that de-escalates that moment. I may get that child out of the house at that moment. It may be that he needs to be out of the house for a period of time. I'm going to do specific concrete things to deal with that crisis at the point of that crisis. But I'm concerned, this is why I want to say this, that that's all parents do. And if that's all you do, that son will slap your wife again because there's something broken inside of that child. And you can't just deal with the crisis without dealing with what has created the crisis. Right. I've dealt with violent teenagers who were at the point where they could not live in their homes. They needed to be at a place like... Shepherd's Hill Academy. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I think those are wonderful places. Praise God for them. But I also know that there's something broken inside. No doubt. That needs to change. Or if it's not against my wife, that child's going to be violent against somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because human beings were not designed to be okay with violence. And I want to see not just behavioral control, but heart change happen in the life of a child. I think sometimes as parents, we, again, mistakenly think that grace is not stopping an action like that, but instead of saying, oh, oh, it's okay. And that's not what you're saying. And, and never, the way never we approach okay. the heart is the, is the key matter right. here as well. So, so you, you must deal with the behavior because that behavior is reprehensible in the sight of God and damaging to human relationships. But you must also be concerned about the roots of that behavior in the heart of the child. And I'm just going to go say that. I'm going to go on, on a limb and I'm going to say, dads, you got to physically intervene. You can't let Absolutely. that you you can't let that go on, and then you follow up as Paul was saying. So it's it's yeah, it's not one or the other. It's, right, it's, it's both. both. And. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, Paul, I hate to say it, but our time has flown by today. We are so grateful for your taking time uh, to to yes, be sir. with us and share some of these principles uh, on the program. Again, Paul's book is Parenting: Fourteen Gospel Principles that can radically change your family. Incidentally, another one of his books you might be interested in, Age of Opportunity, A Biblical Guide to Parenting Teens. Those are just two among many, and you can find them online at its website, paultrip.com. That's paultrip, T-R-I-P-P, dot com. Paul, thanks so much for being with us. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. And this is Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent comes to you from Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered therapeutic residential program helping teens in crisis and their families. If you need help with your troubled teen, please contact us. You can do so by following the links to Shepherd's Hill on our website, licensedtoparent.org. 
You can also learn more about our ministry and even help the work we do here with teens by visiting us at LicensedToParent.org and clicking on the Donate tab. Remember that all donations are tax-deductible and can do so much to provide for a family that can't otherwise afford residential care for their teen. You can also listen to our other conversations we've had on a wide range of parenting topics, and you can subscribe to our blog when you visit LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.